ministers. Our, Corey, our brother Corey is going to come minister the gospel this morning. Let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you. I think we're on. First, I'm going to apologize if I don't seem to be able to hear that well. Because uh, on and off, I'm having a couple issues with that. Because uh, unfortunately, I ruptured my eardrum. So I'm sticking cotton in my ears right now. So quite literally, I have cotton in my ear. So that's an old joke from my mother. Cheap one for that one. So um, in thinking of what to preach for this morning, um, I started this off a while ago um, in lieu of Memorial Day. Um, I was thinking about it at first, but um, then I was joking with a friend um, that we had to, well, thinking about what Memorial Day was all about, I jokingly said it was celebrating chickens because people eat chicken and hot dogs and hamburgers and watermelon and all kinds of things. So these people truly are must be celebrating chickens. Um, and thinking back to when I was a kid, Memorial Days and holidays, they simply were a day off, no school. Um, and for the rest of us that work, you know, if you work in a job that honors the holiday, you have no work that day either. But obviously, we know that that's not quite what it's about. Um, but obviously, people do. They celebrate with food and family, and they get to run together with family and friends. Um, so this is largely the origin of, of this sermon I've entitled, Memorials to God. Um, in our own Memorial Day, to truly understand it, we're actually going to have to go all the way back to the first one. Um, and the first one may be a little bit further back than we realize because um, the first one, believe it or not, was established in Waterloo, New York. Most of you here probably won't know where that is, but I know my father does. Um, Waterloo, New York was a small town in upstate New York that um, many, many, many years ago, in lieu of all the war dead, they, every single business in the town closed. They put their flags at half-staff, and they put flowers on the graves of every war dead, whether that be friend or foe. Um, this goes all the way back to 1866, during the Civil War. The Civil War had not yet been completed. Um, but they wanted to honor the sacrifice of the dead that had fallen. They didn't just want to honor those that had uh, fought as a friend, but they also honored the foe. Um, so in thinking about this, I started to think of what really was the intention behind a memorial. We think of it as Memorial Day, but it, it just uh, the idea of a memorial itself, what actually is it and what is it really about? In truth, it's a remembrance of something that was done or a sacrifice of others. We think of it as a sacrifice for freedom in the United States and that's still very true elsewhere. Um, but to f- in, in fully understanding that, there's more than one example. Because um, this holiday wasn't truly um, memorialized federally until actually after the World Wars had completed. Um, and it was used to honor not just those all the way back to the Civil War, but those in the World Wars. Uh, and then later, every, every soldier who had fallen in battle. So... In thinking of this, I looked through a number of different memorials in the Bible, and some of these are extremely 
extremely uh, important to each of us, and they're marks that we ourselves can look back to. And one of the the greatest memorials that we can think of uh, is simply the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the foundation of our faith. And it was the purchase of our freedom. And thinking of that act that Jesus himself made first, when he laid down his life, he didn't just lay down his life for those that loved him. He didn't just lay it down for those and all in the future, but he even laid down his life as a sacrifice for the opportunity for even those who would be the one that would kill him, the ones that would put him on the cross, those that would mock him and scorn him. He laid it down his life for each one of them, um, bar none, for all. I, know, I don't know about you, but for myself, to think of someone that I'd be willing to lay my life down for, you know, when you first think of your own children, um, as a parent, that's an easy thing to answer. But then uh, as a sibling, as a family member, it becomes a slightly uh, less clear answer, but it's still a clear answer. Then to a friend, yet another. But then when we ask, would you lay down your life for your enemy? Um, that's a very different answer for most of us, at least human beings in the natural way we think. So the first place that I would like to to go back to um, long before Jesus came, because some of these memorials that I was looking at were in the Old Testament. Um, there's a couple different types of memorials, one being a memorial for the place where God met with Jacob. Later, another one where God helps us. And then finally, a memorial to the next generation. So I'm actually going to read out of Genesis 28, uh, 10 through 22 first. I'm eventually going to get to my main text, but that's actually my last point. So bear with me, please. So I'm going to read these few verses in, uh, out of Genesis here. So this is, this is when uh, Jacob, God had called him to go back to his father's land. And this is back to where his brother was. And, and mind you, his brother had vowed to kill him if he ever saw him again. So that's kind of the, the, the starting point of this. And, and Jacob honored God and listened to him and was... And on his way when this happened. So now Jacob went down to Bathsheba and went down toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. Because the sun had set, he, he took up one of the stones of that place and put his head and lay it down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was, up, was set up on the earth And its top reached to the heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which I, in land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants also. Your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you the seed of all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you. Wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, Bethel literally means house of God. That's what one of the translations will say when he gives it that name. 
So then Jacob arose early in the morning. He took a stone that he had put under his head. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and and keep me in this way, then I am going to give him bread to eat, clothes to put on, so I, and so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall, God, shall be God's house. And of all of that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. Now this is where Jacob is making a promise there with God. This is uh, not just a, a simple meeting with God. God that Jacob had. He, he laid down, he had a dream, he had a vision that God was going to give him this land and to his descendants. And this was amidst him going about his way with answering what God had already asked him and called him to do. And in that progress that he was already working on, God came to him and gave him a promise of fulfillment of protection and provision. And this is something that our, we ourselves, we can see that this is a, a promise that we too can refer to because God has promised to, to his people, those who follow him, those who honor him, that, that he will be with us, he will be our protector and our provider. And this is one of the memorials of the Old Testament of where God met with us. Now, the situation that led to him to this place was not a comfortable situation. I know for many of us, when we finally get to a point where God meets with us, usually those are somewhat stressful circumstances. And sometimes God will lead us to the very place he wants to meet with us. Now, that may not be nice all the time. And Jacob's great need here was the peace with his brother, because he didn't want a war. He didn't want his brother literally to try and murder him. And... While he was on his way, he didn't know that God was in the very place that he had laid down his head. And then that was going to be the place of promise for the future yet to come. So this is one of the things that we can see as a memorial. That Now, memorials throughout the, throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, these are different promises. Uh, they have a, a time from the past, and they still have a promise that we can glean from in the future. Because the answers that God has given to people throughout history... Um, we ourselves can take them and apply them to our own lives because God has given that to us. And that brings me to the second part here is just simply that the memorials that we have for when God helps us. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't had an entire nation or an entire army try to come and kill me. But the second one that I want to briefly mention here is just that. And this one is from Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 7. Now, the word Ebenezer literally means the stone of help, which I find it quite ironic, um, considering, um, because of the plays and because of the the old story of a very uh, shrewd man. Um, But it was the stone of help is literally what it means. Um, Now, for each of us, there will come times where we will need God's help. I know that isn't surprising to any of you, 
But for, even for those that haven't known Jesus before, you come to a point where you know that you cannot do what you need to do or need to have done within yourself, and you have no ability to accomplish it. Going all the way back to the, the first Memorial Day, the, the men that were fighting were fighting for people that they had no idea who they were. They were fighting for an end to slavery in the Civil War. And then in the World Wars, they were fighting against, obviously, the, the domination of the Germans, but also it had to do with the, the genocide of the Jewish people. So they also were, in a way, fighting for their freedom, not just their own. And these people, sometimes ourselves, sometimes we don't have the ability to help ourselves. But God, he has shown us in the Bible in more than one place. This is just one example where he shows supernatural provision. And he shows us a pattern of how um, Samuel sought to have an answer from God. Now, obviously, Samuel, he was a man of God. He he was the priest. So in this time, these are things that a priest would do. but in modern time, we ourselves, we can do these same things. So I'm going to read this one brief section here. First Samuel 7, 7 through 12. Now when the Philistines heard the children of Israel had gathered together in Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took up a, a suckling lamb and offered it in, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against the Israel. But the Lord thunder, allowed thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them, and they were overwhelmed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and, and Shen and called it, the, the, called it its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus the Lord has helped us. Now this is obviously something that, that is quite an amazing feat and supernatural in every way. Um, but sometimes our own helps can come just like that in a supernatural way. They're not always a, a foreign army pursuing us. Sometimes it's, we are pursuing help for another. I think of my wife when my father-in-law was in the hospital. She, and among many other people, were praying for very specific things for God to answer. And time and time and time and time again, God would answer each one of these things. Whether it be, we want this one specific liver number to improve tonight. We want this one specific kidney number to improve tonight. Over and over and over, we want them to be able to reduce his oxygen tonight. We want him to be able to reduce the pressure of his ventilator tonight. Over and over and over, these things were answered, even though... They had um, a demonically inspired doctor that proclaimed that he shall die of this. I mean loudly, yelling in the ICU, completely unbecoming of a doctor, completely unprofessional. Um, But he loudly proclaimed this. But I want to tell you one thing that I I know is the man that he proclaimed would die of this is walking around on his own two feet, is now living on his own again, is now more mobile than he's been in ten years, He has better lung function than he's had in many as well and is alive 
and well because of the prayers of many, many, many people. Now, the, the, the man of God here, he did a few things. He, a little bit earlier, says that he fasted as well, but he prayed and he fasted and then he sacrificed. These, these are the ways that he tried to elicit God's attention um, because God is moved by our sacrifice. He's moved by our prayers and he's moved by our fasting. And this is still true to us today that we ourselves can, through prayer and fasting, move God to answer for us and to move on our behalf. And this one, he was... This protection was supernatural because the Israelite army was not well prepared um, and they truly feared the attack that would come uh, because they, they did not expect to be able to handle it well. They expected that it actually would likely lead to their destruction. So then God sought, I'm sorry, Samuel sought God that he would help them. And this is not the only time throughout the Bible we saw God supernaturally thwart the enemy. Um, just like a demonic doctor's speech, the words that he had spoken over this man that he didn't even know, God thwarted those words through the prayers and the fasting, through, through the efforts of, I, I believe, hundreds of people were praying for that man. And that man's name is Ronald E. Rosari, in case you don't know, so that it's crystal clear because he is living and breathing in a walking memorial to the prayers of hundreds of people. So, I'm having trouble reading. But, um, so that leads me to my next um, and main point. This is my main text. And this is Memorials for the Next Generation. And this is actually not just this one story, but it highlights it really, really well. That every memorial is meant to be for the next generation, not just for then. It came to pass... When all the people had crossed over the Jordan, this is in Joshua 4, verses 1 through 9, had crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take your servants, twelve men from the people, one one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you. And leave them in, in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Now, the Jordan, when the children of Israel were crossing over here, this is on their way into the promised land, the Jordan itself was separated like the Red Sea. It was stopped up. So the place where they were pulling these stones were from was the middle of a river. This isn't just a small stream. I mean, this is a major river that they're crossing over. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribe of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. 
And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan. The Jordan had, had, the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribe and the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up the twelve stones in the midst of, in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now, saying they're there to this day is not a small thing to say. It's quite a large thing to say. Um, But the story doesn't end there. In uh, verse 20, it it finishes us off just a little bit more. The same thing where it says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Georgian, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the people of the earth shall know the hand of the Lord is it is mighty, and you will fear the Lord your God forever. Now, that's quite a, an amazing story. And that's quite an amazing feat. Now, one of the things that I found interesting, just knowing some of the, the history of the Jewish tradition, long before they had the written Bible, the way they would communicate who God was to one another was they would tell the stories, verbally tell the stories of the Bible from one generation to the next to the next, to the next. And the priest would painfully, carefully make sure that it was accurately, crisply told and and corrected until they literally would memorize very large portions of Scripture so that they could say it precisely, exactly as God had, had commanded them to do. And that's because these memorials are meant to bring the remembrance and to teach the next generation for each of us, even today, we still should do the same thing. It's one of the things that God had impressed upon me recently. Um, and I've done this before. That's not a radically new thing. But it was to write down the specifics of my prayers, the specifics of what I need to happen. Because when you write them down is when God can be given glory in it. And not just for me, but for others. And even the healing of a man who was suffering from cirrhosis of the liver who was in the ICU for nearly 40 days, him up and walking alive and well is an example to someone else that if you have a physical ailment, God can heal you. He has the ability. He has the authority. He can heal you. And it's one of the ways sometimes that we find the faith to believe God for ourselves is because we've seen what God has already done. Whether it be in the Bible, whether it be in another life, whether it be in someone's life, you don't even know. I remember many evangelists and other pastors preaching of many different miracles that they've seen throughout the world. And those miracles stir faith. Um, now, the true treasure that the Jews were passing on was not just some 
feel-good stories, but it was actually the knowledge of the Bible itself, and this was the very Word of God that they were communicating and giving to the next generation to have it, to take care of it, to pass on to another. God commands us to do the very, very same thing in our churches. As new converts, we are elated for the opportunity, and we feel so wonderful that we are forgiven at that moment where God would meet with us in that specific church, in that specific congregation, wherever that might have been. And if you have not before, it could be this place here this morning. And that moment, I believe, was paid for by the prayers and the the fighting spiritually of others that had knew nothing of you. And the simple ability for you to receive that forgiveness was from Jesus Christ who laid down his life that you would even have the opportunity. And he eagerly awaits the opportunity to forgive all. Now, there's more memorials that I can think of that are an example that might seem small, but my daughter Michaela, I at least chatted with her about this beforehand this time, but her middle name is actually a memorial. When my wife and I were trying to have kids, we struggled a lot at first. And before she was pregnant with Rowan, she received a letter from China, all the way from China from a student of a friend of hers. And it simply read, this is talking about Christmas, simply said, the colors of Christmas are red and green. Green is my favorite color because it symbolizes hope. And this was at a time where, where she has vocalized this to me before. She can tell you herself as well. But she said she, she got to a point where she didn't want to hope again. Because it means that they could be broken. And then after she became pregnant with Michaela, it was one of those moments where it brought it into remembrance for her that she wanted to honor God. And her middle name was going to be Hope because... God gave her hope again, even when she didn't um, have anything left in herself. Um, And within my family, that's not the only example of a memorial. Um, One of the things that I had treasured, even from when I wasn't saved, um, I had a small little pamphlet that came from my grandmother, my father's mother, that listed the stories of in her life where God had spoke to her of each of these different times um, throughout her life, including even when um, um, my aunt was born, when she had some difficulties and God had spoke to her that she was going to survive, even though her body was damaged. And, and these different times, there's a I don't know, 15, 20 page, she had wrote down these stories and she had given them to, I believe, every one of her grandchildren. And that was a memorial to the next generation to teach them the very things that God had imparted to her. And these things are of incredible value for each of us. And these are things that we should truly honor and bring into remembrance for one another and for even new converts, whether that be our own children, whether that be someone we've brought in from outside of these four walls with outside of our families that was a total stranger, that we teach them these things because the victories that we've had, the miracles that we've seen, 
conveying them and teaching them these things can be the very thing that they need in their most desperate time of need. Whether that be a physical need, whether that be a spiritual need, whether that be a financial need or another, those very stories, those very true, real-life miracles that God has provided can be that very supernatural, very special provision in a time of need. I can remember some of the things from when I was first saved, some silly things that I prayed for that God answered. But later on, when I needed to believe God for finances, uh, as a young married man, I believed God. And every time he answered, I'm not saying there wasn't struggles because that would not be accurate, but he did provide time and time and time again. And these are, as I said, these are things that we should be compelled to teach to the next generation. And even in that, we should be compelled in seeking those that don't yet know Christ, that they too would know of what God has done for them already. Because some people, you know, they'd be like, I don't know who this God is, I don't know anything else, but that's good for you. I'm like, no. The reason why I'm here is because the God that I know has compelled me to tell others what he's done because how can anyone else know unless they're told they don't know until literally that moment where God meets with them in that place like in the first part where they meet with God in a place where they didn't even know God was there and then they can get to a point where God can help them and then finally they can be one of the ones that are passing it on to the next generation because that's exactly what our fellowship is about is reproducing Disciples that can carry on, not a tradition, but an honor of what God has done in the Bible. It's not just an organization or anything else. Literally, it's what God has done in the Bible. And he calls each one of us to be a part of it, sometimes in a big way, sometimes in a small way. Whether that be to preach the gospel, whether that be to help at an outreach, whether that be to simply follow up on a single mom who needs a hand. And for some of us here, you might be in that place where you don't know Jesus yet. But just like the men that I spoke of all the way back in the the first Memorial Day, they were fighting for the freedom of slaves. And Jesus fought for that same freedom for us. Because we don't recognize at first, but you might feel like you're a prisoner in your own mind. And that freedom comes from Jesus Christ alone. Every chemical alternative, they may have their value. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend on that side at all. I'm saying that the true freedom only comes from Jesus. It's the only one. And If you feel like you're a prisoner of your mind, you can find that freedom here, and you can find it here this morning. And sometimes people, they feel alone, or they feel like they don't belong. You too, you can find your place here, because God is the one that called you. Jesus Christ calls you by his Holy Spirit, and he wants to help you. And then there's those that feel dirty or ashamed because of things that have happened to you or things you've done. That's because of sin. And Jesus is the only one that can truly forgive you and can truly cleanse you 
of that shame and of that stain. And he can do that here and he can do that today. So with that, I would like every head bowed just for a moment. The God that I spoke of, these memorials that I spoke of, they are for every one of us. It doesn't matter if you've never known Jesus before or you've known him for 40 years. He's the same God to each of us and he's the one that's ready to help us. And like I just said, some people in this place, you might feel like you're a prisoner in your mind. That your mind is tormented. You can't think straight. Everything is a struggle, even to think the slightest bit. God can help you and free you. Or you might feel like you don't belong anywhere. You feel like an outcast. You feel like there's no place you belong You belong here because Jesus is the one that died for you and paid the price for you. And then there's those of you that feel dirty, ashamed of the things you've done before or been done to you. But Jesus wants to help you. He wants to forgive you and he wants to cleanse you and your mind from these things so you can put them behind you, that you can live a new day, a new life, unashamed, joyfully serving God. So if you in this place, you, maybe you've never known Jesus Christ, and one of these situations might apply to you, if you would want to feel that forgiveness, that freedom, that cleansing that I speak of right here, if you could raise up your hand, he would love to have, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. He would love that opportunity to provide you that freedom. I see that hand. How many more? He eagerly awaits it. He does not sit there with scorn on his face saying, I can't believe that happened. Quite the opposite. He knows what it takes to help you. And he wants to. I'll give it one more call. Anyone else? Who would like to join these honest hearts that have asked for God to help them For those that raised their hands, if you could look up me for just a moment. I believe each one of you meant that. If I could have a few people to bring them and come kneel and pray um, while I go on uh, with this call. There was one lady and two boys here, and then we have the young man here. Now, for some of us, we might have known Jesus before, and we might have made a willful decision to turn away. But even though we have made these decisions, Jesus still eagerly awaits the opportunity for us to forgive us. And if maybe you're someone who's known Jesus before, maybe you've prayed many times. You have that opportunity today to make yourself right before God and he would cleanse you. Take away the shame. Take away the pain. Take away the torment in your mind. If that applies to you, if you could raise your hand, God wants to help you. There's no limit to his ability, so it does not matter how big or how small this may be. He is able, and we can look to the the Bible, we can look to miraculous stories of one to another, and to the greatest story of all, that Jesus himself died for us.
How many would there be that if Jesus would speak to you here this morning, that you would want that freedom, that you would want to be unashamed, right, joyfully, happy in the presence of God, like a little girl or a little boy sitting on their parents' lap, full of joy. I see that hand. How many more? I see that hand. So if that applies to you, if I could have you come and kneel in this place, we'll have someone pray with you. Um, if I could have another lady pray. Pray with her. and Someone pray with, with Rose as well, please. For the rest of us, even if we're right before God, we know some of these things and we have a responsibility as Christians to do what is right. Maybe God's spoken to you here this morning that he would have you honor him in the memorials of our own life. Maybe he would have you honor him in passing the stories of our own miracles that we've seen to others to invest in the new believers, to invest in the young believers, or simply to invest in another believer so that his will and his purpose can be accomplished. So if that would apply to you, I'd want to invite you to come and pray here this morning. Um, that this is an opportunity where you can, you can talk and speak with God, that he would uh, meet with you, as this is a place where you can meet with God in this building and this altar this morning.